Good morning, good morning, and praise the Lord, Park Hill. All right, let me start by just sharing a blessing, how much of a blessing it is to stand before you today. Um, I want to quickly acknowledge just some folks that we know in the house and appreciate you, Evan, appreciate you, Sandy, so much. Thank you also to our Park Hill Elders team. Um, I got to give honor as well to all those that serve behind the scenes. I have to. Nate, you were such a blessing this morning. You guys, I'm just kind of trembling still because we were having some technical difficulties, uh, but our sound man, dude, you rock. Good night, good night. Ask any, yeah, give him a hand. But certainly to, to everyone who serves here at Park Hill, we appreciate you, we honor you, and just thank you so much for what you do in front as well as behind the scenes to ensure that, you know, the worship experience is what it is. And of course, you know, I can't go a step further without thanking my lovely wife of 26 years. You know, she's kind of like my favorite person in the world. You know, my best friend, this side of heaven. Um, baby, I love you. You gave me four beautiful kids. She's the reason why people have wished me happy Father's Day already. She's, you know, she was a part of that whole thing and making me a... You know, a dad today. All right. So, baby, thank you, and I know that you're praying for me. Uh, and certainly to the Most High God, the one true living God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, as Ephesians 1 says, the God who raises up and causes us to sit us in heavenly places with Christ. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the ending. Wait, it is Father's Day, right? Can we talk about our God for a moment? It, it is Father's Day, right? He's been a protector. He's been a provider. He's been a keeper. He's been a shelter. He's been a friend. Yeah. We talk about our wonderful God because he is our father and he makes us family. So because we're family, I need you to do one more thing. There could be a brother or a sister that you didn't see during a three minute coffee break. Just wave at them and say, hey, you know, yeah, we're <laughs> right. So I'm honored to stand before you on Father's Day. Um, as Evan mentioned, my name is Jason Wyatt. My lovely wife, Tanika, and I get honor of sharing as our marriage and family pastors here. Um, I get a chance as well to sing just a little bit, certainly not like she does, but I do get a chance to make a joyful noise every so often. And I do have a transparent moment that I wanted to share. When I was a kid, you know, I loved singing as well. And I would sing in our church choir. And my cousins would always make fun of me because I would shake my leg, kind of like Elvis. You know, I kind of thought it was the Holy Ghost, but, it, you know, it really, well, I'm just playing. Um, but, but I guess I brought that up because the movie's coming out and I'm excited about the elves. I digress. Pray for me. You know, okay, so we've been given a series um, called Receive the Holy Spirit. So definitely open up your text to John verses 12 through 18. You know, a friend asked if I was nervous about today, and I can admittedly say 
I had some peace for most of the week. You know, I felt the prayers from the leadership team and others I asked to pray. But as the time has drawn closer, the, the nerves have, have started to rise. You know, it's been a minute since I've stood behind, stood behind a podium. Um, the thought crossed my mind, you know, I get to share the weight of God's word with his people. Some faces I've never seen before, and some of you I may not never see again. This could be my one shot at sharing what God has given me to share. In fact, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the second service to have another chance. You know, but, you know, was I a little nervous? Yeah, but I know that you're praying for me. But in all sincerity, I do hope to leave you with something that is transformative. I hope to leave you with a word that God certainly shared with me to give to you that will be life impactful. Uh, before we get to our text, I need you to help me, though, because, again, my, my nerves are running a little bit. In addition to your prayers, in my church tradition, it's common for people in the audience to talk back to the preacher. Now, I hear a few voices, and I know that most of us have, have probably gotten used to sitting still as a sign of respect. I honor that. I respect that. That's cool. And you want to listen. But I just want to take you a little bit into my world. If that's okay, it's all right for you to say amen. amen. And if you hear something that resonates with you, it's all right for you to say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, transparent moment. I didn't know the word resonate until I came to Park Hill. <laughs> so, um, in my church tradition as well, occasionally you would see somebody get up and shout. I don't know if y'all are ready for Brother Don. Now, now, shout out, yes, there is the, the verbal expression, which we may do a little bit today, but also we call shouting like a holy dance. And Brother Don, I think Brother Don could probably change one of those light bulbs. This brother would just jump and leap for joy. But I don't know if our culture is ready yet to, to get up and run. I, I think I would probably look a little peculiar at someone if they got up and ran. But if you feel like running... Just make sure it's done decent and in order. Is that all right? All right. I will ask for a response today. And, and this is nothing new because, be honest, some of y'all talk back to the TV. You talk back when you're watching a movie. You shout at sporting events. Some of y'all probably have some choice words for people while you're driving in your car. So we shouldn't be quiet in church. Right? All right, all right. So, look, just as a way of practicing this a little bit and, and to share some reasoning behind it is because God truly has been good. You know, there was a saying that we would say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out. A couple of you have heard it. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, and sometimes that's really what it takes. It takes just a memory of how good 
our God has been. For instance, if I say this, God is worthy of the praise. Just think about it. Think about how good he's been in your life. You know what? I, I don't want to be a Holy Ghost hype man today or, or coerce you or shame you into lifting up your voice, but my praise is in response to the greatness of God in my life. We ought to praise him because he is good and his mercy endures forever. Look, look at this. Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Psalms 124. I won't read all of 103. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as prey to their teeth. Think about where this comes from. Even on this Juneteenth celebration, I wonder if some of my ancestors cried this out. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know what, I also, I grew up in church and because I was a kid who didn't always make the right decisions, sometimes Lamentations 3, 22, and 24 would come, 22 through 24 would come to mind. If it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. We serve a, a merciful God. We serve a great God. And you know what? This is what we'll do with Psalms 34. Psalms 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, this is how we would do it back in the day. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. <laughs> you know what, before we go too far, some may think that this is emotional hype. I honestly call this emotional health. Sometimes we need to cry out. Sometimes we need to cry out to the God of our salvation. 
And again, these words are out of an expression of how much we recognize God has been in our lives, how good he's been, how wonderful he's been, how worthy he is of our praise. Um, I know that Evan shared a message on praise just a few weeks ago, and if you haven't checked it out, I definitely encourage you to look it up online. But one word for praise that we know in Hebrew is the word toda. Just to give some context to what I'm sharing with you so far, we're going to get to the message in just a minute. Toda says it means to shout or to address with a loud voice. But the Toda goes further. It includes an attitude of gratitude for God's promised deliverance, even when we are still in need. This type of praise also refers to lifting up the hands and inviting in God's help. A Toda praise is having faith and assurance that it is well, even before the victory is won. Sometimes you have to give God praise even while you're in the midst of whatever you're going through. In the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of trials, in the midst of loneliness, sometimes you ought to just still give him a praise, a shout of praise, because he is worthy of that. Hallelujah. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And I'll tell you, this is a safe space. You won't be judged here if you cry out loud. It's a safe space. If you feel like getting up and running, again, you're good. You're good. All right. One of the beautiful things about our ministry at Park Hill is that we have a community that encourages all to share our lives, our experiences, our cultures. Tell our Jesus story to one another. It's my hope that you know, my family and others that may not look like the majority be really those bridges that we invite each other into our stories. That's a part of being that one church that God has called us. It can't just be on Sunday morning. It has to be something that we do on the daily where we're inviting others in to show and share the love of the Father. Amen? And through his spirit and by the work that we do, this is how we become that Revelation 7 church that we often refer to. It won't just happen, guys. We partner with Christ to make this thing come alive. Hallelujah. With that said, I believe there's um, space and freedom for charismatic expression in the church. Now back to my assignment. All right, I'm honored to continue in the series Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, I know that's not by chance that I'm standing before you. So just get your Bible right now. We're going to go to John 14, 12 through 18. I know some of y'all are like, man, I'm glad I didn't go to a Pentecostal church. They would have put me out there. We're going to look at verses 14, I'm sorry, verses 12 through 18, and I'll read it for your hearing. Verse 12, this is out of the NIV. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. 
and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He's the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, just a little context of the story. In the preceding chapters, Jesus has been predicting his death. He just told his disciples that one of them was a traitor and that all of them would deny them and that that very night he would be leaving them. All of this would have legitimately troubled the disciples. So in the beginning of chapter 14, if you look back, Jesus starts off by saying, let not your heart be troubled. I think he sought to offer some comfort for what they were about to no doubt see and experience what they were about to witness with their own eyes. I imagine it only shook their faith to the core. And I have a question for you this morning. As you put yourself in that position, has there ever been anything that shook in your faith? Have you ever received some news that shook you to the very core? What you invested your time and your money and your energy in, what you gave your gift to. Maybe it was something or maybe it was a person that let you down. Maybe it was the loss of a job. Maybe it was a broken relationship. You gave yourself to this person for years and they just seemed to walk away. Maybe it was the moral failure of a person or institution you held in high esteem. Maybe God himself offended you because he didn't answer the way that you expected or anticipated. To those of you whose faith may have been shaken, I submit to you, let not your heart be troubled. While this word was specifically for the disciples, who would soon see their Lord crucified, he speaks this to us today because he is with us in the trouble of life. Before I get too far ahead of myself, I want you to know that, loved ones, he's promised you his presence. He didn't promise a trouble-free life, but he promised that you can have peace even in trouble. Back to the story. Jesus is with his disciples. He has an exchange. Again, this is right before the text with both Thomas and Philip. Thomas is asking, um, where are you going, God? Uh, Show us the way. Jesus said, I'm the way. Philip said, show us the Father. Jesus is like, "Uh, you're looking at him. When you see me, you see the Father. This refers to the works of the Father, being seen in the words and deeds of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. John clearly stated that Jesus is God, our one God, triune in nature, 
And this discourse leads us to our text today. Verse 12, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will be doing even greater things than these. I thought about this for a while. I'm a believer. He said we'd be doing greater things than he did. I started to get a little troubled and wondered, church, have we done greater? Lord, are your people really doing greater? Park Hill, is it happening in our church? Are we doing greater? And I made it personal. God, am I doing greater? God, have I missed? Have I been asleep? Was I distracted looking at something and didn't get what you call me to do done? Is there time? Do I repent? All of these thoughts flooded my mind. And before I can get stirred up even more, I almost felt like Jesus was in the room with me. And he said, let not your heart be troubled. And even the scripture came to mind, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. They're new every morning. Now we acknowledge the wonderful things that the church has done. He's done some wonderful things through the church. According to Christianity Today, the church has helped found schools, hospitals, orphanages, helped establish a huge number of charities to support the poor, the underprivileged, prisoners and their families. They've helped the homeless and those seeking justice throughout the church history. Christians have helped campaign for prison reform, better housing, helped end the slave trade and we're continuing to push for racial equity wherever there is injustice by the power of the Spirit. But as you look at the world today, don't you feel like there's still something to do? Don't you feel like there is still something that can be done, something greater? The world needs Jesus more than ever before. The world needs to see him working in us, working through us, restoring through us, healing through us, reconciling through us. Now, we acknowledge the wonderful things that he's done even in our short church's history. We have testimonies of healing. We continue to give to people in need. Park Hill, we support initiatives that fight for justice so that all people experience his love. We're working towards a church that looks like that diverse church we see in Revelation 7 here on earth. And yet there's still an opportunity for us to do greater. We must continue reaching out to the orphan, to the widow, to the marginalized, to the hurting, to the lonely. Maybe it's a single mom or dad on your street. Maybe it's a coworker or a classmate. Maybe it's somebody on your sports team. Maybe it's a person who looks like they have it all together on the outside, but inside they're just torn up and need to experience the peace that God that passes understanding. We are bearers of good news, but we can't just keep it to ourselves. 
Maybe the greater happens when we get beyond the divisive things that separate us within the church. Maybe it happens when we truly rely upon the Spirit to help us forgive that person that hurt us. Maybe it happens when we rely upon the Spirit to help us overcome our own personal failures and struggles. Church, I believe we have an opportunity to do and be greater. How? I'll answer that shortly. Verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. How did you feel when you first read that? If you love me, keep my commands. You know, if you're like me, when you looked at Thomas and Philip, I, I read the text and I was like, okay, well, if I was there, I clearly see that Jesus is trying to tell them who he is. He's trying to reveal this to him, them. And I was like, duh, guys, are you listening to what he said? He's telling you that he's, he's God. You know, it, it seems pretty clear. But I think Jesus is also pretty clear when he informs us how we show our love for him. If I were to ask a show of hands how many love God, I think I would get a lot of hands. I'm not going to ask you to do it now. How do you show you love him? Keep his commands. See, I actually look like a, a, a disciple that you probably have um, never heard about who was there. His name was Rufus. You guys probably never heard of Rufus the disciple. And since people were throwing out questions at Jesus, you know, God, show us the way. Jesus, I am the way. Um, God, show us the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Well, Rufus was... Um, Bold enough to ask Jesus, so when you say love you, what do you mean by keep your commands? And that's how some of us act. We try to find ways around what God has told us to do. We say we love him, but we don't always follow through with what he's told us to do. Okay. I'll make it personal. It was, it was me. I was kind of like Rufus. And I try to find ways around what he's told me to do. Yeah. How does this happen? We say we love him, but our wants, our desires, and our actions don't always align with his commands. We have our own plan, our own idea of how things should work out. We want justice and vindication now. We don't want to wait for God. If we're honest, we want things that make us comfortable. We want to do things that are easy. Um, we say we love him, but questions arise when he says stuff like, love your enemy. Um, Turn the other cheek. I want you to forgive him 70 times seven. 
I want you to give to them not expecting in return. Let me help you lovers of Jesus out. On your own, it's impossible to keep his commands. On his own, it is impossible. And that is why I'm so grateful for the next verse. We're going to look at verse 16. For those who desire to see greater works, for those who desire to keep his commands, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Park Hill, we have been given the Holy Spirit to help us do greater. We've been given his spirit to help us keep his commands. And we'll do greater because he is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He's the same spirit that hovered over the chaos in Genesis and brought it into order. We can keep his commands because he is the same spirit, the spirit of truth that transforms us into his image and his likeness. Romans 8.27 reminds us that he even intercedes for us. Jesus is saying, I'm with you. I'll help you. I won't leave you. I am your advocate, your comforter. I love what the Easton's Bible Dictionary gives as they share the, the Greek word parakletos, comforter, advocate, or helper. It means properly one who is summoned to the side of another to help in a court of justice by defending him. One who is summoned to plead a cause. Advocate is the proper rendering of the word in every case it occurs. One way to understand the spirit as our advocate is to realize that we have an accuser. When the accuser comes in and brings charges against us, I get the picture of Satan going before God like he did for Job. God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Job was a righteous man, but I can hear the enemy saying of Jason, um, God, don't you know he hasn't spent time praying this week? He hasn't been studying He's still harboring a little bit of that anger when that person cut him off on the road. I think I even heard him uh, blurt out a few cuss words. This is the accuser. Uh, by chance, God, did you see what he was looking at on the gram? The Instagram, I'm sorry, y'all. My, my kids. But thank God for our advocate. Let me share how the accuser came at me this week. As a practice of mutual submission and realizing our need for each other, we send out our sermons for review and, you know, to, to get tips and to get support, certainly to get prayer from the Park Hill leadership team. I believe it's a beautiful practice. I sent mine out and I waited a couple days and I didn't hear anything back. And the thoughts started to come. Man, 
Are they telling me what I wrote is heretical? <laughs> should I even just scrap this? Should I call Evan and be like, dude, I'm uh, laryngitis? Something <laughs> then the first response I received said this. Nothing there, I'm sorry to say. See, y'all probably interpreted that maybe there was no attachment to the file. But the way I attached or interpreted was, dude, you haven't said anything of value. This is how the accuser came. Then I started hearing, you're not good enough. The other speakers teach at colleges. They wrote books. They've planted churches. The accuser came and my peace was slowly slipping away. Then the comforter spoke. And he said, son, I qualify you. I will speak through you. I do the work. And you know what? It's not about you anyway, Jason. Haven't we already talked about that? I found out later that I actually didn't send the attachment. So. <laughs> but church, when the accuser comes, the Holy Spirit defends us. He will fight for us. He intercedes for us. He is our advocate. And he says this of you, those of you who are hurt, those who are broken, those who have been scarred by the weight of sin, those who love God but have found it a little difficult to keep his commands, those who feel like there is more to do, those who've been fighting the accuser in your mind, those who need some peace today, he says, I am your comforter. As we prepare to close this out, we'll give a final word of comfort, or we're given a final word in verse 18, and I think this is especially appropriate on Father's Day. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I mentioned earlier that uh, some of us have had great earthly examples in our fathers or father figures. Others of us, not so much. I happen to know a few amazing single dads who are the primary caregivers of their kids. They, they rock. Uh, but you know what? Even on their best day, they're finite. They're limited. We're flawed. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Some of you have heard a little about my personal story. I was blessed to be adopted at five days old by a beautiful couple in L.A. My father pastored a small church. My mom was a private duty nurse. Uh, not perfect, but they gave and did the best they could to ensure that we had a good childhood. Um, both passed away in 2011, within a few months of each other. Um, a few years ago, my wife and I thought it would be cool to take a DNA test just to find out a little bit about our heritage, and mine came back with a hit for a close relative. We ended up connecting with my biological father's family. 
you can imagine the flood of emotions. What were the circumstances? You know, I'm 50. This happened when I was five days. How would life have been different? All these questions swirled through my mind. And I recall a particular day coming into Park Hill, and I was just weighted down, wondering about the situation, wondering what I would say. You know, we had met a few times, and beautiful people, I bless God for them. But in my troubled state, I walked in, and I can hear the comforter say, you know that you've always been my son. You know I've always been your father, right, Jason? And on this Father's Day, Jesus says to you, church, especially to those of you who may feel abandoned, you are not alone. I am with you. You can be greater. You can keep my commands. You can have peace. You're an overcomer. You already have the victory. You are more than a conqueror. You are mine, and I'll complete what I started in you. His spirit empowers us to do and be greater. His spirit will help us keep his commands. His spirit is present and says, you are not alone. But maybe you do feel abandoned today. Maybe you've been hurt by your earthly dad or someone else, and you're finding it difficult to forgive them. Maybe things like Father's Day and Mother's Day trigger some bad memories. And it's tough to get beyond the hurt. I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and allow him to do what he does so well. Everyone standing, please, and I'll ask uh, those of you who may, our elders who may be praying with some, who may be willing to pray with some, come on up front. Maybe today you just need to experience the comforter who gives peace that passes understanding. I'm talking about you don't even know why. You have a reason to cry. You have a reason to shout. You have a reason to go off. And God offers peace that passes understanding. I've been at a few places in life where I didn't know how to pray. It was tough. You know, I'm a church kid, but I couldn't even feel like lifting up my hands. And I bless God for, again, the spirit that makes intercession. I bless God for the community of people that he put around me at that time to pray for me. And that's what we do. We bear one another's burdens. We rejoice with those that rejoice. We weep with those that weep. The strong bear the infirmity of the weak. And there are times in life where life hits so hard that it's even tough to pray. For those of you 
who need to experience his love. Who are bold enough to say, you know what, I can't do it on my own. God, I need your spirit. I invite you to come on up. Somebody will pray with you. Someone will pray with you. I encourage you to invite the true and living God into your life if you need to know him. Ask him to fill him with your spirit, fill you with his spirit. God is here to save, to deliver, to set free. Some may be in bondage today. You find yourself going back to that same destructive habit over and over again. And it's been tough to break. You, you know, you, you think you're good for a while, but it comes back. I invite you to ask the Spirit to come in. We talked about confession this morning in our pre-gathering prayer and the importance of it. And maybe some just need to confess. You have a mature person on your left or right that won't judge. But we're here to pray with you. Last, I don't want to minimize the work that the church has done. We've done some good things. Yet on this journey, I still believe that there's more that we could do. It doesn't take much to look around and see that there's still work that has to be done. Scripture says the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his vineyard. You don't have to look very far. As I mentioned, maybe it's within proximity of your dwelling. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a classmate. Maybe it's a family member. Thank you. But if it's you today, I encourage you to come. I want to speak to those of you who just need to experience the Father's love. Come on down.